conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Girls. Sign up today. recycle garbage so i'll see you out back my office might be a bedroom but don't sleep on my success (gasps) (laughs) you guys guys, it's andy girls i am freaking out a little bit it's ag 173 ish and i am so excited to be joined by an Emmy-nominated head writer and co-executive producer of a Black Lady sketch show on HBO. She is the first Black woman to be the head writer of a sketch television show. She's the co-host of Smith Sisters Live on Radio Andy, Sirius XM, Channel 102, and she is a poet of Instagram stories. I am so, so excited to have none other than Lauren Ashley Smith join us on the People's People's Couch. How are you, my queen, my everything, the woman I DM every day just to see how I am going to do today? How are you doing? How are you feeling? How is LA? How am I? I'm good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling caffeinated and hydrated. Um, yes. How is LA? LA is fantastic. It's hot. We've got rolling blackouts happening. My Wi-Fi oh, is consistently unstable, um, but we're coping and you're doing fabulous. Oh my God. I'm so happy to hear it. Thank you so much. This is our my little horoscope now. And anytime that you're on AG, I'll just ask you how I am and I can ignore the New York Post. So listen, no big deal. Emmy nominated. No how big does deal. it feel? Uh, No big deal. It feels great. I mean, it's like truly surreal. Like I don't have anything to compare it to. And it really feels not like it's actually happening because it, I I just am truly stunned. Like I don't even have words to quantify it because it's so unexpected in my narrative of my life. So I'm just like overjoyed is basically it. 
how did you find out? I need to know your Emmy nomination story. Were you sleeping like, you know, Reese Witherspoon or something and your agent called you? Oh, my God. Today? Was that today? You know, it's my goodness. funny. I always, you know, living on the East Coast, especially, I always yeah. believed the narrative that people were asleep when they came out because I mm-hmm. didn't quite have my finger on the pulse of the time difference. And they fully start like they start the nominations at like 830 in the morning, like most of these people saying this have kids that they probably dropped off at school an hour prior, like they're awake. So oh, true. I tried to sleep through it, but I was awake and I just woke up to a text message with a screenshot of the list. And I just was like, oh my gosh. Oh my God. And was everyone freaking out? Did you start to like get calls from the cast and yeah, you know, we were all like exchanging, HBO? we were exchanging texts and calls the most exciting part for me was when I told my sisters and so one of them texted my sister Mariah texted our family thread um but my parents were like in a a meeting and so they didn't see it and so we then did a group FaceTime and my sister asked my dad she was like did you see like Lauren got nominated for an (laughs) Emmy and he goes like he didn't know so it was cool to see him find out um because he didn't see the text message so that was fun and was that just kind of a magical moment with you guys as a family? Because they have three. Do-, do you have any other siblings? No. You have two sisters. Just the three of us. And you guys are all superstars. It's like my mother would kill for one of you. <laughs> so the fact that there are three is like actually slightly unfair. Maybe this is a list of grievances. <laughs> I love it. So many girls. Because not only are you the co-executive producer and head writer of a very, very popular, incredibly well-received show on HBO, but you are now a co-host of your own motherfucking radio show on Radio Andy. I mean, how are you? Can I like ask again? Evidently, what is it? Evidently, she's Madonna. How are you juggling it all? Like (laughs) being in charge, being responsible for HBO, being one of the phases of Radio Andy, getting through the day, making time for little me, Sarah G. And your Instagram is so remarkable because you are just like dragging people every day. Now, I think I drag people. And then I look at your IG. I'm like, oh, I am not doing nearly enough. So how do you find that people in La La Land are behaving right now? Are you seeing people with masks? Are you guys able to do anything that feels a little bit safe? What's the what are what's the reality? The reality is that especially in the past couple of weeks, I've seen a lot more masks compliance like I see more people with a mask than when, without um when I, I have oh, a, I have a dog so I walk him three times a day so I'm outside okay. a lot and like I see a lot of mask wearing I see some things that are a little tricky to me like people kind of getting around rules but it's more businesses that are like trying to figure out a new business model and less private citizens that are being jerks um so I feel pretty safe and like you know I feel proud of my neighborhood at least because I don't see anything else um of the people that I I see they I feel like they're all we're all on the same page oh that's great and so listen we're talking on Andy's girls show about all things housewives when did your bravo journey begin when did you realize you know you were meant to live in this world So I came to Bravo, um, I would say late because at the time when I lived in New York, 
Bravo was not included in my cable plan. And so oh. I was not, I knew that the Real Housewives of Atlanta existed. That was when it became part of my consciousness, but I couldn't watch it because mm-hmm. I didn't have Bravo. And then I remembered the first day I finally got Bravo and started watching the Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> Um, but part of that was because I got a job, uh, on a show called fashion Queens on Bravo and oh my God. on that show, we talked about the Atlanta housewives looks at the top of every show yes. and with some, a little bit of context of the storyline. So I started watching Atlanta every week for my job. And then I started working on watch what happens live. And then I started, the whole world of Bravo opened up to me. And because I came to it late and I was working on Watch What Happens Live, where the people who work on that show have an encyclopedic knowledge of everything that's ever been on the channel in a way that is incredibly impressive. I literally, I remember the last day I read a book because every moment after the the moment I got that job, I would ride in a cab to and from work watching on my phone back episodes of every Bravo show. OC, Vanderpump Rules, Beverly Hills, New Jersey, Atlanta, New York, like Southern Charm. All I just started, Mm. I went into an immersion program. And once I entered the world, I will be have to be asked to leave at this point because I love it so much. I will not leave of my own volition. Are you now caught up? Yes. I mean, as caught up as a... So do you watch every current franchise? Like, are you caught up on full New York, full Orange County, moral rest in peace, H? So when I left Watch What Happens Live, I was actually... I was interested to see which ones would stay with me. The ones that I have let go of, but still have a word... Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of, you know... Once you Mm -hmm. know, you know. You know. You can't not know. know. Um, Mm -hmm. So the ones that I don't watch with regularity anymore, but will check in on the Cornerstone episodes are New Jersey and OC um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes Atlanta. But everything else, I watch Potomac. I'm current on Potomac, New York, Beverly Hills, um, everything, Vanderpump, everything. So you mentioned Southern Charm. Have you seen this stuff in the news in the last couple days that I guess Bravo has taken down a few episodes uh, because of sensitivities toward plot points that um, on second look people think and and have found inappropriate from like a um, talking about like plantations in a way that's really super gross when Catherine's like giving a tour to some someone and she's like look at this wonderful history and this beautiful garden oasis um have you followed any of that it's come out like in the last couple of days. I haven't seen any of it it's uh it it happened because of a uh, someone on tiktok for the kids um put up a video showing that when she was watching shows she noticed that there were certain episodes that had mysteriously disappeared from the library and variety i guess got attention for that uh found about that found out about that tiktok and then i think spoke to her and then bravo i think released a statement saying that they were sort of re-reviewing um their process uh of just looking at episodes and looking at stuff that you know potentially shouldn't have been included ever but now that we're going through this reckoning where we're looking at stuff in a different way and I think a lot of us um 
especially those Bravo holics who are not black are looking at materials and saying, oh my God, this happened. And it is entirely likely that people were calling it out. We just weren't listening. So, you know, I read about that, I think yesterday and saw part of the TikTok and, um, I think it's, I don't know. I, I sort of defer to people who are more informed on this than I am, but I think it's great that they're doing that. And they're really, it seems like the network is taking a hard look at diversity in a lot of these shows and casting on a lot of these shows. And the hope is that there are going to be changes to many of these franchises next season. And I think that's fantastic. And I also think the COVID delay is not a bad thing in giving these shows and these production companies enough time to like breathe for a second and really look at how they can make these shows better creatively with an eye on diversity um, that enables them hopefully, you know, to put together even more great content that's uh, more welcoming than stuff that's been done previously. I think that's, I think that's great. What are your thoughts? I mean, I honestly can't speak to it because I don't yeah. know. I have mm-hmm. not seen any of it and I don't want to speak out of turn, but mm-hmm. I think that thoughtfulness is never a bad thing. And so yeah. any indication of thoughtfulness, I'm down with. Yeah. So of the free, free, <laughs> well, I guess they're free if you have a cable baggage of the three franchises that are currently airing Potomac, New York, BH. What do you find yourself talking about the most? Like, what is your water cooler pretending you have one in quarantine? What is like your water cooler conversation in your head? Like, what do you find yourself most engaged with? I have found myself. That's a great question. I found myself most engaged, weirdly, with the um, Brandy Denise situation. (gasps) And I've never, I've never really been like, I'm surprised at myself because I've never really checked for Beverly Hills for like my hard drama or my like conspiracies uh-huh. or my flash forwards and flashbacks. Like it was just kind of like uh-huh. eye candy and fun and funny and like, you know, whatever. But I truly find myself revisiting that storyline so much and finding so much of it just so delicious. I mean, let's, let's begin. Whose side are you on team, uh, team Denise or team everyone else? I know this is controversial and I know we disagree. Oh, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. I know we disagree. And I, I disagree with myself even, but okay. I am in, well, it depends. Be specific in your question. Who do (laughs) I believe or whose side am I on? Whose side are you on? We can't. The believe is part two because the believe is very complicated. Okay. I think the whose side is an easier guttural instinct. It's okay to be wrong. You're in a safe space. Okay. So So when you're about to tell me team everybody else, I'm fine with it. So here's my answer. I believe Brandy, but I am team Denise. And I'm I'm team Denise because I do not like the, the way that these women are so scandalized and affronted by um, the this alleged interaction between Brandy and Denise. And what I also don't like, as a queer person and as someone who has had to come out and has chosen to not come out sometimes, I hate mm. the false uh, equivalency of painting people who may have had same-sex or non-heteronormative um, you know, relationships as 
what's the word deceptive or mm-hmm. as if they're hiding, hiding something or as if they're liars, because coming out and disclosure are matters of personal privacy and safety. And it's about how safe you feel in the environment. So does Denise's very right if she did not want them to know that information? That does not make her a liar. That does not make her sneaky. That does not make her a bad person. That makes her a person. And so I don't love that they have tied the two together as far as like whether she said it's like she either had a relationship with Brandy and is deceptive because she also said these mean things about us or she didn't as opposed to she could have said these mean things and still be a person who cares about her personal private life. And that's her right. The way that they have put the two together in order to say, I dislike you or I'm mad at you because you're not owning up to talking about me behind my back. And an example of you not being truthful is sexual interactions that you have had with someone who has a vested interest in bringing that private story to the table masked in very, for me, uncomfortable ways. The way in which Brandy brought this to the table under the guise of a question about consent, which adds another layer and another characterization when you think about it onto this whole thing specific to Denise and then the way that it's kind of been released, like these waves of gossip and malicious undertones. I don't know if malicious is the right word, to be honest, but undertones that are at at the very least disingenuous is abhorrent to me. And I am heterosexual. And it's been difficult for me to have this conversation with people because I've had this conversation with a lot of gay men who haven't seen the consent stuff at all, or maybe disagree with the idea that there is a conversation around consent that feels a little woman specific. And then on top of that, I have to look at my own privilege of not being a member of the gay community and say, you know, when I'm saying to people, like, it feels like outing to me. It just doesn't feel right. But I also recognize that because I'm not a member of the gay community, I have an opinion, but I don't have experience behind that opinion. And so I've tried to be sensitive to that. But I mean, I couldn't agree with what you're saying more. It feels, it just feels infuriating the way that they're doing this and the way that everyone is pretending that it's a joke. Like what Lisa Rinna has done online is really damaging to me and to someone who has proclaimed herself the queen of owning it and like a gay icon in her mind to then rely on these like very ugly tropes to make all of this a joke and use as a weapon against Denise. It just feels really off. It feels really, and none of them seem to recognize it. None of them. I haven't seen any of the online stuff because I have a very, mostly because of my time working on a show that was a recap show about the, these shows I um, don't enjoy, it's like I, when I have my entree that is the Bravo shows, I try not to 
mess with my palate by enjoying the side dishes, which is the current yes. online. I don't do the companion pieces very much because mm-hmm. I like to experience it purely as it was presented, not with I love that. the back end Monday morning quarterbacking of um, information. So I haven't seen what Rena has been doing online aside from she her dancing. She did a lot of the like um they should be in a spin-off called Scissor Sisters oh, right. kind of stuff and then Wikipedia did a Wikipedia post about it and I think a photo of the band Scissor Sisters and a photo of the wiki of the band and then sort of made it into a joke and when people reached out and said this was inappropriate her response was like well you guys didn't like me when I was quiet and now I'm using my voice which is not <sighs> I mean, the thing with Rena this week is that she is absolutely the queen of owning it when it comes to, like, manipulating her daughter's storylines as her own, except when that storyline circles back to her own behavior and responsibility. And I see that, like, with Amelia, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but I also see it in the context of everything with Denise. It just feels like... It just feels off. It feels strange to me. The fact that Brandy said that Denise is more manipulative than Lisa Vanderpump doesn't, it feels so disingenuous. Like, really? Is she making that much more money than you guys? Like, what is the reason that everyone seems so invested in turning the audience against her because that's what I feel like they're doing in every scene. They are talking to us in every scene. And I guess they're backing it up on their, on their social. And I'm jealous of your strategy because I actually think that is incredibly smart. Um, But it feels like when they're saying these things, they're trying to promote their own agenda and market it, which frankly isn't out of the norm of what happens on housewives. So I can't say that that is super strange, but I can say that, I disagree and disengage from the did they have some sort of experience together because I find that's neither here nor there and their only interest in talking about it is as you said to mark Denise as someone who is deceptive or a liar or manipulative and I I I don't agree with the basis of that generalization and that argument so when it comes to like did they hook up I mean between us, yeah, they probably there probably was something that happened. Okay. But it's not my business, and it doesn't say anything about Denise's character. So I think, I mean, I agree with what a lot of what you said, but I will say, I think I approach the shows differently because okay. I think that you give them a lot of credit, and I think that many of them approach this as performance art. It's not yes. that deep to me. Like, I think that the reason why we see the kind of, like, um, post-airing statements about, like, well, I didn't see it as outing and blah, 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 is because it's all kind of this, like, you can very much tell when they're having conversations that they've agreed are on-camera conversations and that they've and ones that they've agreed are off-camera conversations. And I found in my experience that the most explosive housewives um, – conflicts come when someone brings an outside conversation inside. Mm. So they bring up something that they were like, we said we weren't going to talk about that on this show because they're on set, you know, like, so we're watching and we don't see usually the cameras and the lights and stuff. But like my favorite thing this season was watching um, 
the Berkshires episodes of New York. And I caught in the window because I work in TV. So I'm looking for that stuff. Yes, you I see saw it, you the see whole it. ceiling was a panel of light. Like they lit the oh. whole house to kingdom come. Oh my God. Like built that. in rigs into the ceiling. And I was like, this is a, this is a set. So like, these aren't there. It's the same as like when Teddy's real friends left the baby shower, when she said <laughs> yes. my friends left, like these are her coworkers. Those women who mm-hmm. said we can go are her friends. So I don't think right. that they're really like going home and, you know, writing down schematics and plans about how to, Mark Denise is bad. They're just trying to keep the storyline going. And it's kind of like, it's kind of all fun and games until one person takes it too seriously or not seriously enough. Like, I don't think that it's that serious. Do you think that, who do you think knew that Brandy was in the area and was going to show up? At the shower? Um, Yeah. (laughs) um, Kim and... Uh, I believe Dorit because she didn't want the shower to flop. I think Dorit was like, if we can get Brandy here, we're going to get more eyes on these plastic lemons and it's going to be great. (laughs) I mean, Kyle knew. Kyle knew. Probably. And I think Teddy knew maybe that this wasn't going to be her shower, but I wouldn't be surprised if Teddy thought that whatever this event was that she was going to Brandy would be there as well I mean I don't know if Denise didn't show up because she assumed Brandy would be there or she didn't want to deal with like an almost all against one scenario but I wouldn't be surprised if she got an inkling that shit was about to go down with like a special guest and knew enough to know that she didn't want to be present for that conversation I really think that one of the key things, like you saying that made me realize, like Denise didn't come because like, I cannot remember the last time that Denise had fun in the presence of these women. Like, I can't remember a moment in this whole season where they had fun together. I don't think she has. She hasn't. So it's like, of course I'm not coming to that freaking baby shower. It doesn't sound fun. Denise seems like she wants to have fun. And that's what we fell in love with when it came to all things Denise last season. And that's why I also feel so badly for her because these women brought this information as their carry-on with them to Italy, knowing that they were going to reveal this. It's why they, like, got in the car with Rinna, who let's pretend didn't know about it before, which I find slightly suspicious, but revealed it to her straight away specifically because they didn't want the trip to Italy to be fun. They didn't want it to be a bonding activity. As you said, they wanted to continue a plot that I think they thought, whether performance art in the moment or whatever else, was going to be their, like, ticket. And it just so happens that the concept itself is what a lot of people have problems with and also the fact that we're relying on Brandy who has a vested interest in talking about this on camera as often as she can to as many people as she can to try to secure either a diamond half carrot or some sort of check from this like and I don't begrudge that for her but I also think we can't ignore this like Trust the source. If you know who the source is, 
regardless of whatever happened. And again, I think something happened between them. The rest of it is all built on the premise of give Brandy as much support as you possibly can because she's going to go in 100%. I guess. I just, I think I just choose to believe that it's more innocent than that because like these are like ultimately women who live in like they're very caught up in just like you know it's I really think that it started from a place of like Kyle and Teddy were like we have a fun piece of gossip and didn't think about Mm -hmm. any of the social societal implications of the the specificities of the gossip I don't think that they really even have to this day, even with the feedback that they're getting, because they're probably looking at it through the lens of these are people who are team Denise. So they're not going to, and these are people by the way, who are not only team Denise, but a lot of them are team LVP. So they're going to look at whatever it's like a broken clock is right twice a day. They're going to look at whatever. Some people are going to look at whatever they can to align against Teddy and Kyle. And it just so happens that like these two groups of people are now uniting team LVP, team Denise and folks who are both, you know, like in between. So I could understand as a defense mechanism why some of these cast members might be like, oh, well, you know, they you write it on off. my side anyway. Yeah, they write it off. And I wonder what Andy will say to them at the reunion. I mean, I don't know how this is going to go down. Denise, uh, Denise is there for at least part of it. Brandy is not. Uh, from what I've heard without really knowing anything, Rinna goes like full in and tries to drag Denise as often as and hard as she can. I think it's going to be a difficult watch. You know, I don't know how entertaining the reunion is going to be. I'm slightly nervous about it, but I also am already thinking about next season. Like, do you genuinely think Denise is going to be back? Yes. You do? Yeah. Because of the contract? Because of that, like... No, I just think... No, I just think that, like... It kind of seems like... Why not? I I feel like this is certainly not the most explosive housewives storyline that's ever happened. And plenty Mm -hmm. of housewives have come back after worse, like um, Vicky and Brooks cancer thing. Like it's like, this is just par for the course. I mean, candy survived a lot that was lobbed at and about her by Phaedra and didn't break a sweat she used her voice to be like you're full of fucking shit but she came back the next season and she came back because she came back she's like a fucking all-star but also because she knew she had the audience on her side and I wonder if that's a conversation that Denise is having with herself right now you know I don't like these women I don't know if I want to interact with them in a group setting I do have at least Garcelle who has stood up for me when it's only Garcelle and myself against the world But also I'm seeing from that article, the feature I was in in the Washington Post from daily Instagram messages and tweets and whatever else, there are a lot of people who are rallying against me. And I wonder if that will hopefully affect the potential for her return. I kept saying she wasn't going to come back. And now I'm like, maybe I don't know. I'm going to be checking, (laughs) checking the trades, AKA usmagazine.com every day. I mean, like what? Is it going to, I don't, I couldn't tell you. I genuinely 
have no idea. I don't know, but I, I would I would guess yes because she seems very resilient too. Like Denise, I mean, like she survived Charlie is, Sheen. Yeah, like, like she nothing. just seems like I mean she's used to it. She's been a celebrity for you know three decades or whatever, so mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm. fine. I mean, it's uh, I I don't know. I have a segment on um, Andy's girls called Satchels of Gold. They're listener thoughts, feelings, questions that are named and um, named in honor of Her Holiness Kelly Kaloran Ben Simone. I have a lot of satchels about this week, some of which we'll get to, some of which, guys, I'll do on a Patreon um, uh, bonus episode. So here's a Team Denise satchel from Hannah in London who says, at this point, I don't even care if Denise is lying. These other women, obviously not Garcelle, Dorit, and Sutton, are awful. And every time I watch an episode, I like them less. I get a clear sense that they are reveling in it. I feel like they feel really powerful and invincible after LVP's departure, but have so little self-awareness, they can't imagine that the audience are not going to be on their side. It's actually becoming a little bit excruciating to watch how self-righteous they are. They are grabbing onto all these things, even though Brandy clearly lacks credibility, which is, I I, I myself put a little asterisk after that. Um, people shouting the way she did at Dorit are usually trying to deflect away from something else, in my opinion. I'm not saying that there aren't elements of truth or that Denise has dealt with this completely correctly, but I think overall we're watching a group of women pile on and be really unsupportive of someone who seems to be having a hard time. Uh, There's elements of that I agree with and elements where I'm like, listen, I'm not Brandy's. I'm not and she's we're not close shall we say I've super consciously uncoupled from her (laughs) years ago but it doesn't mean that this didn't happen and I think even if she's like kind of a piece of shit it still doesn't mean that elements of this uh aren't true um so there's that I mean are they reveling in it yeah it, it feels like they're reveling in it I mean, Rena is reveling in this shit. Rena fucking is eating this. Is she? Like, I mean, she was like crying oh my and God. stuff. What? You? Uh, uh, here's do why. Do you think that was? Yeah, oh my God. Tell me. Oh my God. Here's why I think that was real. And again, like I, I don't mean to diminish other people's feelings, but here's why I think that scene was real. Again, I work in television. I've logged many hours. Emmy nominated. Emmy nominated. Many hours watching TV for quality and clarity and story and all those things. If you go back and watch that scene between Denise and Lisa Renna in Rome, it was shot with an iPhone and they are not my. Yes. Yes. So that was not a setup scene. That was not a scene where they said, okay, you two are going to sit and talk about this. They were not in hair and makeup. That was, they ran into each other and started talking and somebody was like, Mm -hmm. let's, we got to get this. So that's why I think that it was genuine because it was not, it was like, they both were like downstairs, like getting coffee or getting a new key. Mm -hmm. It was not, it did not have the same quality and lighting as the other scenes. And it's for that reason that I really think it was a genuine exchange between two friends who once again, were addressing the fact that we brought an outside conversation inside and they were trying to have a private conversation without involving the other women. 
It is entirely possible that you are totally correct about that and that that is a real conversation and also still possible that Rinna is reveling in this. When Rinna was, let's say, confronted by Denise or Denise said, you really hurt me. This isn't okay." The shock of it got her, I don't know if triggered the right word, vulnerable, emotional. She wept, whatever. And it is also entirely possible that that segment of time is the only time in which Rinna thought to herself how painful this must be for her friend. Otherwise, she seems very engaged in carrying on a narrative about Denise being duplicitous, Denise not being honest, Denise uh, saying and doing these things, Denise not being the person that she's known for two decades or more. I mean, I think they can both be a little bit accurate. And the text stuff, like, I watch every episode of every show twice, at least, because I'm a sociopath. (laughs) And uh, the text stuff really got me because first off, in one part of the scene, Brandy called Kyle love, mm-hmm. which is very normal. I say I love you to fucking my dry cleaner. And I, I mean it. I do love him. He does great things. He supported me. I've gone to study Buddhism with him in Queens, like die for him. Have I had a sexual experience <laughs> with him? I have not. Is Do I care about him? I do. Is he one of 30 people I may have said I loved you to that day? Yes, if not more. Just because I say I love you isn't an indicator of a physical something that exists, which I separate from the idea of like, you know, did they hook up? Did something happen? I just think when you're looking at a lot of text messages, like I have frenemies that I text with frequently for varying reasons it happens just because there's a lot of them doesn't mean I'm in love with this person it just means that maybe the relationship was beneficial for both of us the text looked from the small amounts that we saw like Brandy was initiating a lot of it hey are you uh, available to do blah 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 Denise if she had an ounce of intelligence I would think would look at Brandy as someone who has a lot of experience on this show and certainly regardless of what happened, someone that she wants to keep as a friend and not an enemy. So when it comes to them hanging out, maybe they like spending time with each other and maybe they like spending time with each other and Denise and or Brandy both had a vested interest in continuing an idea of closeness but the fact that these women are now looking at iPhone messages and saying wow all the clues are here because she called you sweet love darling beauty whatever pretty mama is pretty mom hello hello like what does that say what what is Heather Heather Thompson says hey mama and that doesn't mean the person she's talking to is pregnant like what what are you actually trying to tell me because it just seems so stupid. And like Erica Jane's stage, like, wow, you know what? Oh, lots of points were made. This makes a lot of sense. It's all wild to me. It's like wacky that these are the examples that they're using. Aside from the complicated difficulties, yada, yada, yada. It's just dumb. I I agree that I think the text proved nothing except for that they text. Like, I don't think it was like a... You know, I jokingly, like, you know, compared them. They're much more effusive than the texts I send to my wife. Like, 
you know, but that's like how friends, like (laughs) hetero girlfriends talk, I think, you know, like they're like, hey, I love you. Oh my God, you're gorgeous. Hey, Gorge, like whatever. I mean, so that to me proved only that, you know, when Denise denied that she even really knew Brandy or talked to her, Mm, that was the lie. That's what it proved. Yes. But it didn't prove like, you know, anything else. And the idea that Denise talked shit about them, here's how I think it happened. Brandy was like, oh, my God, did you see? You know, I just want to talk to you about Teddy because I think she's a piece of shit. And Denise was like, yeah, she's a total piece of shit. Or Brandy was like, so you filmed with so-and-so. How did it go? And then Denise is telling her whatever. It is no different from the confessionals that they film. It is 2% of the shit that these women get online from viewers. So the idea that we're pretending that calling Erica Jane cold, which is essentially her alter ego, is an icicle covered in glitter is wild to me. I mean, Erica sort of made a joke of it, which was like, fine. But Teddy, Teddy Bear, sweetie, come on. You know, like, check the temperature in the room. It's not... If, if people aren't talking about you, I mean, ugh, I don't. And then we're talking about the fact that Denise isn't open about her life. Teddy is saying that. Teddy, whose father we've never seen, but she's obviously her last name is Mellencamp. We know who her dad is. We missed out on the Meg Ryan era. I've never seen her. I don't know anything about her mother. Her mother might no longer be with us. I really genuinely don't know. She has siblings I've never seen. I don't know anything about her and anything about the reality of her marriage, but we're complaining about Denise Richards, who's been on 7,000 tabloid covers throughout the course of her relationship and divorce from Charlie Sheen, and we're saying it's Denise who's lying about stuff? Are we wildly insane right now? Like, that is just crazy to me. Not to say that I need more Teddy right now. I'm not saying that, but I am saying, Teddy, you're showing us nothing. Like in the same way that Lisa Rinna pretends she's giving us stuff because she's talking about her daughter's eating disorder until the conversation turns to as her parent and someone who, you know, is in an environment in Hollywood and uses your body in a certain way on social. Like, can we have a conversation about the genetic and environmental implications of someone with disordered eating? She won't she won't allow any kind of conversation about accountability. She'll lead her daughter to the path of saying, even if you thought at one point that there was merit to this, you no longer think about it. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. When you were a kid and you were thinking about it, I am the parent. I have no I didn't know you were Googling upstairs. I know nothing, even though I was tweeting about the jokes about starving myself. All of that is like a figment of my imagination. I had no idea about any environmental yada. You're using snippets of someone else's story to incorporate as your own, and you think that's okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, back to Teddy for a second. I think that Teddy is doing the job Teddy was sent to do. I'm not her biggest fan by any stretch, but I do think that there is a key housewives recipe that, like, Mm -hmm. if you have too many brandies or too many... Kyle's or too many Dorit's the equilibrium of the thing is all off like you need side characters like you need Mm -hmm. a Greek chorus like Sonia Mm -hmm. is never going to be the center apple but you need Sonia she's the salt she's the straw that serves the drink of course like she's yes you can't have a cast of Dorinda's or 
otherwise it that the Dorinda doesn't stand out. Like going back to like, you know, hate to say it, my improv background, but like you in improv, it's like you have a base reality. And the thing that makes the jokes funny is that there's a base reality. So Teddy is our base reality by which Dorit and Brandy and Kyle to a certain extent look are the funny thing. If everyone's the funny thing, there's nothing to stand out. I completely agree with you. I think that's also why New York is having a problem this season because all we're seeing is drunken antics. We're not seeing anything else. And we're allowing people to get away with like the denial of it all, no matter how aggressive they're responding. And on BH, we do need people to have different roles. I myself, I mean, do you want Brandy to have a a diamond? Are you on team? No, I'm indifferent. And I also am like, you know, I'm like whatever... um, like if, if God brings you to it, he'll take you through it. If the, if Brandy having a diamond is what God has in store for me, then I accept it. BCC Andrew Cohen, I the de- God to us all. I defer to I defer to the channel. So we're talking a little bit about New York. Let's talk a little bit about New York. I mean, cool, it's happening. God bless. You know what I'm struck by with New York is how losing one person made the circle Mm -hmm. so small in a way that I find like, so it just, I found it more jarring than I thought I would. I thought I wouldn't miss the extra person, but I really am like, Oh my gosh, wow. They really only have three other people to talk to. My God. Like it's really a lot. And I assume of course you're talking about Barbara Kay. Who is that? Okay, exactly. No, you're talking about Bethany, Bethany's absence. Barbara no, Kay's I'm pretend friend. Oh, I'm talking about Tinsley. Like even just the second. Oh, you meant Tinsley. Season. I thought you meant Bethany. And no, then I made a little joke because I'm funny. <laughs> um, so you think that Tinsley has brought this to a crashing halt? No, and I don't think it's been a crashing halt. I've actually quite enjoyed the season. I just oh, think. Okay. I just think that like on this vacation. Usually in Beverly Hills, there's a lot more, like you get a Camille every once in a while. You get a mm. Brandy every once in a while. Mm-hmm. In Atlanta, we have our Marlos and um, mm. Shamias and all those people. Mm. In New York, it feels like the world got very small and very mm. intimate. Despite Ramona having her 50 close girlfriends, we're looking at everyone at the table is in the storyline. Like there's no... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people coming in and entering and and leaving stage left and right in a way that like with Tinsley, it would, there were more uh, breakout rooms, like to use a zoom term, like there were more breakout rooms before on New York. And now Mm -hmm. everyone's just in general population, the main zoom, like having it out. Yeah. We need a house party like is what needs to happen. We need to have other things going on. And right now, Oh, God, I really felt for Lou this week. I think she did her very best to try to say to Dorinda, this isn't about you and Ramona. I'm trying to have a conversation with you because I care about you, about how you've hurt my feelings and you're turning it into a joke. And why won't you just like we can't to say, you know, a super a a very superficial I'm sorry and then laugh it off you're not actually listening to me. And it's like, aside from being accountable, you're not respecting me as a person and you're not respecting our relationship. And to watch Dorinda treat her the way she did was like, 
worse to me than what she's doing of Ramona because I don't know Ramona's a piece of shit so it's like I don't really care but Lou is actually actively trying to work on herself and I felt like the way that she was engaging with Dorinda I thought was really respectful and she was giving Dorinda a lot she was like what seemed to be very willing to take her own responsibility and kept trying to sweeten the pot with like, you're so wonderful. I love you so much. You're so great. I just want to talk to you about my feelings and to watch Dorinda be so sharp and hard and harsh was, I mean, difficult. It was a difficult moment that seems to have carried throughout the season that's the thread yeah I find the fact that like Dorinda just won't be convinced otherwise beyond the narrative that she's decided has happened which didn't happen um and just won't allow for even an inch of like possibility that maybe she misinterpreted the situation or that her friend who she trusts would be trying to like extend herself to her and I agree I think Luann did a really was very compassionate in her approach yes and she got dismissed so hard and if we're gonna talk about a small world we're talking about these reunions that are coming up because a lot of the narrative has been against Ramona completely understandably and because Leah has a vested interest I think in maintaining an alliance and relationship with Dorinda I don't think there's going to be a real accounting here which means is this just like the new Dorinda for us is this just who this person is because there's not a strong enough voice like a Bethany who can say stuff to her in a way that she can't just keep using the arrest as a weapon to return. Like we need somebody in there. If we're going to open up this group who by nature of maybe their unfortunately like financial success, professional success, any kind of currency that Dorinda would find valuable. If there's not somebody there to put their foot down, she's just going to continue doing this shit, which just, it doesn't feel fun to watch because if she's just going to run around and not ever hold herself accountable or have someone really truly check her, there's not a lot there. It's like the small world that you're talking about with no real stakes. You know, I need somebody to, I need there to be like a full circle moment and we can't rely on Andy to provide that, you know, at the end of 22 episodes, that's not fair. I, it, here's my thing. I think that the way that I am able to, the way that I choose to enjoy the show is by, mm -hmm. I don't expect things from them that I expect from a friend or from a person that I know. I expect them to behave in the universe of the show. And like accountability is the death of the excitement to me. Like, I'm like, if Dorinda's like, yeah, you know, I really did fuck up. I'm going to completely change my behavior. Like if you think about like TV characters, they don't change because if they change, mm. then the comedy and the joy of the story that you enjoy is gone. Like Ross from friends to think of a very like accessible touch point. Like he doesn't change. He stays Ross as annoying as he is. And as like, problematic as he is as a friend and a husband and all these things you want him to change but you actually don't want him to change like if Dorinda is not getting drunk and putting her hand in people's face 
I don't want it. And yet look at somebody like Portia, who's changed very much so, both in how she's like using her platform, but even just as a person, she was, she used to um, uh, respond to anger or frustration physically and how much she's learned from that in the last couple years, which has been a combination of, I think, viewer feedback and prestige and power and maybe someone saying you're going to, you're in jeopardy of losing your job if you continue to behave this way. That's somebody that's changed and, and been just as charismatic, if not even even more so, absolutely more so, because she's grown as a person. She's grown as a person and a housewife. That's it's a good possible. Point. I mean, Dorinda is always going to be wacky. I don't know. <laughs> Dorinda's always going to be Dorinda. There's always going to be some sort of something happening with her. But I don't think that necessarily needs to impede some sort of emotional growth. I feel like I actually look for. I look for that. I look for the way that these women change, the way that there's relationship changes, the way that they change as a person related to the celebrity that the show gives them, the way that they acclimate to fame and jealousy because of it. I like seeing changes and evolution, and I'm interested in the way in which these women can get worse. You know, you can get better as a person and and become more successful. And then sometimes when that goes away, you know, like the waves start to crash. I would think of to take another example from Atlanta, like Nini. Mm -hmm. And then I think of Teresa, who has had really terrible <laughs> moments as a person, as a citizen of New Jersey, as a um, sister and sister-in-law, and has also seemingly learned some lessons and become moderately better. That's I would true. That to her. That's true. I don't know. I think you can still be a piece of shit and say, I'm sorry that I hurt you. I just think that Dorinda has so much rage and so much anger and so much grief. And she feels like if she admits to one thing, she's admitting to everything and is just lashing out at everyone. And some of the people happen to deserve it like Ramona, but others don't. I don't think, I don't think Lou deserved the response that she got. And I also don't think that Dorinda understands that or is willing to accept it. Like she mentioned her daughter. Was it on this week? I know definitely last week because of the phone call, but I wonder how Hannah watches these episodes. Like I think they're quarantining together in the Berkshires. I assume that they're watching the show together. I don't have Twitter for mental health reasons, so I don't know what Dorinda's saying online aside from Instagram, but I wonder if they're watching these episodes together. Like, how does Dorinda watch the show? Is she watching it? Is she able to say, like, this is just total bullshit and, like, have the blinders on that she seems to have in these scenes? Or is there, like, a piece of her somewhere inside that understands that what these women are saying contains truth and maybe her response to that is just to be, like, more abusive than ever? You one know, thing like, one thing I've noticed work? about her is that I think that she approaches it the same way we've seen her approach on the show, which is like, she'll be like, anything someone else did to her is going to be, or has done, period, is going to be brought up in perpetuity. Anything she's done to somebody else is like water yes. under the bridge. Like, they're yes. going to have to get over it. We can get past that, right? And it's like, mm -hmm. but it doesn't go both ways. 
It doesn't. And that's maybe why one of the reasons why she's such a great housewife is because she has these contradictions and she's someone who everyone around her says you are so giving. It's not the Giovanni, which she keeps referencing. It's the fact that she seems to be really giving genuinely as a friend and she will open up her Rolodex and she opens welcomes people into her home and she does seem to be a caregiver. She's just not accountable for the times in which care is not involved. Right. And my hope is that at some point she acknowledges it, but she just might not be at the point in her life in which that is a possibility. She just might be right now. I don't know if this has always been her too. That's the other thing. I think just right now, as Lou said, I think it was Lou. She's just hardened. She's like a little sharper and harsher than she has been before. And this is like that. I guess we'll wait and see how she's responding to stuff in real time. Maybe there are people who are close to her who are willing to, for lack of a better term, intervene. And maybe she'll turn over a new leaf. She tried to do that before when Bethany was like, you're an alcoholic or, or you have a, you're a problem with drinking or, or whatever. She didn't actually use the phrase alcoholic. You know, Dorinda came back and was like, I'm exercising. I'm working out with the trainer. I feel great. I'm living a clean life, which was her non-acknowledgement of the fact that she knew that something was off and she was working on herself. And so let's see, maybe she'll go back to Corona Equinox or maybe she'll, study yoga and maybe she'll try you know it doesn't mean she has to be successful I just want to see like some some sort of yeah right like some sort of understanding and then you know I think about Potomac and everything that's happening with Monique and Candace Candace used to be Candace and Ashley not really this week Candace and Giselle which we'll see next week and also Candace and herself. Now, Candace on social has gotten into a fair amount of hot water for things that she has said in years past and even recently. And, you know, it's interesting to look at that through the lens of what the women are saying in real time. Like, time has not been a friend to Candace right now because we're watching episodes in which women say she doesn't actually take responsibility for stuff. And we're seeing evidence of that play out on social media. So if you're not looking at these Instagram pieces as a companion piece, I can certainly understand that and think that's actually fantastic uh, because you're focused really and purely on the universe as it currently exists, which is great. It is interesting, though, to be someone who's following her social, at least for me, on Instagram because I do now think when I'm seeing her behave in a certain way, in the back of my head, I'm thinking about what Ashley is saying. I'm thinking about what Monique is saying. I'm thinking about what Giselle has said and will, which is this is someone who's completely incapable for actually changing their behavior. I mean, how do you how are you watching her? How do you feel about Candace? She's very she's a very difficult person And I don't mean that in any way disrespectful. It's just she's difficult to unpack. There's a lot that she's been through and and everything else. I think that this is just like my armchair evaluation Mm -hmm. of Candace is that she has such a tricky relationship with her mom and has had such a Mm -hmm. tricky upbringing where she's been um, needlessly criticized and gaslit by Mm -hmm. that important figure in her life that she Mm -hmm. now cannot suss out the difference between false criticism and unneeded Mm -hmm. criticism and actually constructive, helpful, this will make you a better person criticism. That's how I, so that's why it's like, you know, 
she's being told she's doing all these things wrong by her mom all the time that her her um receptors for criticism Mm -hmm. have shut off so if you say her mom if her mom says i don't like the way you did your hair and then ashley says i don't like the way you threw that knife at me both are going to be (laughs) not received because she's now built up a way of like being like i am not taking any more criticism as like a survival as a coping mechanism and that's not to make excuses for her but that's kind of what i gather is in the in the mist there i think that's such a good point and it's you know someone can say something to Candace and she can feel that they're not being held accountable to the same level. So she'll come back at them tenfold. She'll call them a roach, which is so disturbing on so many levels. She'll talk about um, the fact that they're, I don't know, an executive assistant to their husband and don't have financial, what all the, the myriad of things that she has said about Ashley alone. And for Candace, when someone is saying, you know, you went overboard. She's thinking, but why has nobody stuck up for me? I'm just trying to stand up for myself. Like I, she doesn't feel it. It appears that she doesn't feel that she is anything but, and this is going to sound super critical, but that she's anything but kind of like the victim in the scenario. And that may be because her mom spent a vast majority of her life putting Candace in that spot where Candace just felt like stuff was coming at her. And it might also be because her response to that is to like hyper hyper attack, which is like a hyper attack to that cast member. And maybe not to get like super PhD on the people's people's couch, but like a part of that is attacking back what her mom said. So when she's lobbing insults, maybe it's because her mom didn't listen to her when she said these things. But at the end of the day, she really, truly does not seem comfortable taking responsibility for what she has done very, very publicly, which I don't know what's worse when you're filming with a group of people and you don't want to have a public conversation about something. But you said that thing on Twitter where it was seen by millions of people. So, like, I get her comfort for a one-on-one. I don't know that she deserves it. Um, But I do think she's in for a really rocky season. And she does not seem aware of the fact that allies on her side are, like, dwindling in number. And because she's behaving on social in a way that's very reminiscent of what these women are saying about her, it's going to be a tough path for her to navigate in both places. Like she seems, she seems aware of that. I think she won't admit to it, but I think she's aware. Yeah. I don't know. I I think it remains to be seen. I'm interested to see what the, how things play out. I really am Mm -hmm. because I don't want, I want her to still be fun to watch. And I think that if she becomes super defeated and like, starts to overthink it it's gonna be not fun to watch anymore I mean she's done what Vicky did apologies to I guess both of them where Vicky knew the end was near and said I'm not going to be a friend of if they don't accept me full-time I'm off the show I'm leaving the show and Candace is now doing the same thing again on social where she says if Monique is back on the show I'm out I refuse to film with her which is like sweetie 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 
Monique may be leaving, and if Monique leaves, it's 100%. Monique is going to be in that rare group of people who are truly leaving on their of their own accord because they no longer want to be in the show. And I think Candace sees maybe the end is near for her, and she's trying to get ahead of it. But I don't know. I hope she... I don't know. I don't hope a lot for her. I don't. I, I don't know. She's in for a, a difficult path. I don't know. I wouldn't is, do either or. An ultimatum is a dangerous move to make. Yeah. Although I guess she can say if and when her contract isn't renewed, I told you guys I wouldn't do it, but I don't know how that will work if Monique also isn't back and neither is she. I mean, Potomac is such a rock star franchise. And there are some really difficult, trific- <laughs> truly difficult relationships that are coming up, like what Karen and Giselle are going to go through, what M- Monique and Giselle are going to go through. These rumors that Giselle played a part in the spreading of stuff about um, Chase, I think is the name of Monique's youngest son, maybe not be, uh, you know, Chris's like Chris, there are uh, uh, rumors about paternity that very likely Giselle helped create or spread there's a lot of like difficulty that's coming down the pike for these women where you feel the influences of the outside world. Like they have been through enough seasons where they remember what they're, what they have said about each other and what people have said about them online. And also they're, uh, they're fairly famous at this point. I mean, they're on a artistically excellent franchise that gets raves across the board deservedly so and watching that influence with like personal relationships and someone who airs on the side of physical intervention watching that all kind of like <laughs> spirals is that is that that was the the best spin to Monique that I can give physical so intervention better than an altercation which yeah. is the phrase I think the network is using physical intervention when feelings and words are not enough um it's gonna be wild I mean they're now they're not just like the new you know kids in class anymore these are like the jocks this is the varsity franchise they're a A team yeah they're a team so watching how they're reacting to knowing that they're a team and also you know having a taste of the best and worst of being you know famous in this very specific world and also some of them genuinely dislike each other is gonna be a tricky path to navigate it just so happens that these women are fucking awesome and so watching these episodes it's really unfair I hate that I don't give six hours to Potomac every week. It just so happens this Beverly Hills thing is wild. It's not fair to Potomac. I am sorry. I can't say that to New York. New York, you know what you've done, and I hope that you work on yourself. But Potomac deserves more. It just so happens that we're riding this wave. It's going to crest. We're just riding the Brandy and Denise wave, and there's a lot to unpack every week. The second you said, let's talk about Beverly Hills, I was, like, sold. Here's 58 minutes of me just (laughs) unloading and, like, having a rage stroke. And Potomac, I mean, is great. I mean, like, did you enjoy this week's episode? Jam-packed. things. I did. I love Potomac. I love – I think the women are so funny. They're in on the joke. They get Mm. the gig – they um, give us great looks. They give us great turns of phrase. 
They give us, I think Monique is the most beautiful housewife to have graced any of the franchises. I would say that's up there. She's stunning. Actually, Garcelle is number one, but Monique is up there. Like, I just think they're so, um, what God gave them is so beautiful and that counts for Mm -hmm. a lot. And so Mm -hmm. I think that they're just so fun and like, I love seeing like, you know, I'm I'm not familiar with Potomac. Like it's not a a city that I've been to. So I like just kind of Mm -hmm. getting that like DC flair, like a townhouse vibe. I love it. Um, what do you think about Giselle and Jamal? The love boat this week. The I restaurant thought, nobody wanted. I thought that was like, I was like, why did he pick that for the birthday? It felt. Which has nothing to do with his girlfriend, person, ex-wife. I just it felt, felt like he was doing it to impress her that he was giving something to the kids. But did the kids like it? They didn't seem to like no. it. One of them did. Daddy gave them a hobby nobody wanted. That he has now a financial investment in. Oh, right, 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 right. I forgot about that. Yeah, I don't know. I thought the birthday was kind of like, okay, I thought he could have gone bigger. The energy is weird with them. Is it because they're uncomfortable on camera? Is it because they know their kids are not on board with this? Something is off to me it doesn't feel like I got more affection when she was with Shermsky like I don't I I got more with Sherm like the Jamal stuff I'm like okay he's there I just feel something is like not right does she know she must know she deserves more than this I don't know it's, it's I don't know tough. I don't know I honestly I weirdly am rooting for this relationship okay I love, I love a you're the third together. after the two of them Okay. So I I hope it works out. Uh, I hope Amazing Grace is happy because she is the rock star of that family. And and I fucking stand for Giselle. Um, And whose side? I mean, we sort of talked about it, but whose side are you on uh, Monique v. Candace? I mean, my guess is, I mean. I'm with Monique and T'Challa and that's that. That fucking bird. Did you follow when that bird ran away or flew away? I only saw a little bit of it. And I am so, I, I love a pet moment. And I know that it's like, like they're like your life. I've never had a bird. So I've not ever, I've never understood that dynamic, but I felt her pain. And I'm so glad that that bird made it back. I was emotional. I was like, is someone going to tell her that that bird is like gone for good? Like I thought it was over. She was so emotional and she was talking about like the neighbors laughing at her when she said it was about her bird and not a dog. And then when T'Challa came back, I never, I actually was like verklempt. Like I really didn't see it happening. I didn't think it was going to happen. The fact that Chris Samuels doesn't even fucking like birds and went out to search for T'Challa, like a plus plus marriage relationship. I love the two of them. I think they're so united. He's such a supportive spouse. He seems like a really grounded guy. I love watching their dynamic. I think they're great. Um, but I can't believe that bird is still. <laughs> I'm so glad it came back. I'm so glad he came back. I shout shout out to T'Challa, friend of at least friend of plus the friend to everyone. But uh, Karen Huger, um, listen, this has been magical. Are you what are you wearing to the Emmys? Is it going to be in your apartment or I what's have, happening? I have a feeling I will be in my apartment and I will probably be in a nice matching sweatsuit. 
would you be open to Sonia Morgan, New York, if um, someone from Century, Century 21 slid into your DMs? Absolutely. Would you rather wear Sonia by Sonia Morgan or what is a good comparison? Because Giovanni isn't really. Sonia by Sonia Morgan or Alexis Couture? Difficult choices. Sonia by Sonia Morgan. Wow. Okay. Your team sleeve. God mm-hmm. bless. Mm-hmm. Wow. And which housewife, when giving your acceptance speech, you're on stage, you've won the Emmy. I'm a super Jew, so I need to knock on the wall three times for good luck. When you are on stage in your apartment, on a stage that production has erected in every nominee's house, and you're accepting your enemy, a- Emmy and saying, fuck you to your enemies, which housewife would you want to acknowledge for helping you the most? Who do you look at as the housewife that has given you the most that you would like to say during my Emmy acceptance, I just want to give thanks to so-and-so? Who would that be? There's no way I'm even touching that and jinxing it in any way, shape, okay. or fashion. I cannot. It gives. I'm already sweating. Like I've already. I'm oh no 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 no. Like, oh no 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 um, no. Oh no no no. But the housewife that I love the most, like my favorite mm-hmm. housewife of all time, yeah. that I just mm-hmm. love with no like. I love them all. No for reservations. Reasons. No reservations. But the person that just gives me great joy is Sheree. Always. Wow. 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 I mean, if she had a fashion show with fashions, we could have gone with She by Sheree. Sheree, if you are listening, please get something together. Partner with Dwight. Who knows what he's up to? Probably looking for work like most of us. We could make a collab happen. I think that would be fantastic. Something gold, I would be into it. I I would be down um, for it for good. So listen, Lauren Ashley Smith, how can people follow you online? How can they watch a black lady sketch go? Sketch show, <laughs> can't talk, words are hard. Um, how can they listen to Smith Sisters Live? Can, what do they need to do? Yeah, people can follow me on Instagram and, twi- and Twitter at MSLAS. Um, you can listen to Smith Sisters Live on Sirius XM Radio Andy Channel 102 on Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern Live and on demand mm. after that. And you can watch a Black Lady Sketch Show on demand and on HBO Max, I think. HBO, which is like the number one. I mean, if Bravo is my number one for Bravo content, potentially surprisingly, HBO is my happy space for everything else. So, guys, if you haven't watched um, Black Lady Sketch Show, you need to. I have, and I fucking died for it. Um, And P.S., speaking of amazing things, as we record, I am staring at a piece of art on my bedroom wall in the holiest of places right below my Manolo Blahnik Tower. It is what looks like an oil painting of Sonia Morgan in her Elizabethan Renaissance woman vest holding a remote like a scepter. And we are raffling this off, this beautiful item um, designed by Shop So Messy on Etsy to an AG listener. In order to enter just um, like a post on Instagram, you'll find all of that in information there follow shop by uh, shop so messy and myself at dame galley on ig and tag a bravoholic friend i think we've have like 300 plus entries so far on ig and it's not too late so if you haven't entered to win the it is my plate you fucking bitch giveaway contest 
for this beautiful painted plate straight from MoMA to the Upper East Side. Uh, You must join that contest. And speaking of great experiences, listen, I did a Patreon Kiki exclusive to OGs of the AG on Patreon. It was such a blast. First ever Turtle Time Zoom. It was amazing. I'm doing another one. Um, Go to patreon.com slash Girls to sign up. Vote. You guys are deciding the day and time. It's going to happen in the next couple weeks. I'm so excited about it. You and I have talked privately about a haircut I might be getting in a couple weeks, and I am really excited to go outside for like the second time in six years and take off some hair that's been growing since December. So maybe you guys will get to see a fun new chop, which should be your number re- one number one reason for participating. Um, this has been such a joy. I die for you. I'm obsessed with you. Good luck at the Emmys. Fingers crossed. Lahayam, that really doesn't work in this context, but we'll pretend my rabbi agrees with me. And guys, uh, let us know your thoughts and feels, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.